You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It is another mailbag edition. Trying to get so many of your questions in. Thought we'd just split up into two episodes because there is a lot of them. So uh, we're going to jump into those here to help me answer all these questions. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane. Hello, my friend. How are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Kent. I was reading through our rundown here. We got some draft questions. I'm ready to go. I'm going to fire through this intro and just get you on over to Craig Stout at Barley Hop so we can get down <laughs> to business and finally, finally talk some draft. Yeah, I'm going to start with my dissertation on Steve Spagnuolo. Oh, no, no. Let's go. Let's get into this. Y'all <laughs> asked us questions. We want to get to answering them. You you guys really did. You you provided a lot and we're going to try to get as many of these we can over the you know over the off season because you know we got stuff we you know we want to hear what you guys have to say too and and that's what we try to do on this show so benjamin d foss asks does defensive tackle become a top five position of need if jones is out if chris jones is out um man that's close I, i think it's pushing up on that maybe number five or number six spot it's just that steve spagnolo doesn't value uh, lighter pass rushing defensive tackles the same way that maybe some other teams do. He prefers to have bigger guys. We talked about it maybe last offseason when we were talking about the summer of Spags. You know, Snacks Harrison, Jonathan Hankins, these dudes that are well over 300 pounds. Those were the guys that were playing on the interior that were big, massive, gap-eating defensive tackles. And then when he got to third downs, when he got to passing downs, he kicked his defensive ends in and he used lighter guys to rush the passer. I would expect with Tano Passino, if they re-sign Emmanuel Ogba, Alex Okafor, Frank Clark, they've got a good rotation of guys that they can do that. So I'm not sure that it becomes a top tier need in this team, but it may slip into maybe that five spot. Yeah, I think top five is probably pretty bold. I do think if you get rid of Chris Jones, you have to just raise just a general pass rusher up and maybe that pass rusher can take the five spot. And like Craig was saying, you can get another defensive end, even maybe even a lighter defensive end kind of speed rusher because you can kick in Clark, Agba, Okafor, Breland Speaks when he comes back, Tano Passio. Like you have all these guys that have the size to kick inside and play three tech on passing downs. So yeah, you might want to add another pass rusher, but I don't think there's going to be this tripping over our feet to add another defensive tackle, especially to add another kind of three tech pass rushing defensive tackle, just because that's not something Steve Spagnola has went out and quested for. He kind of fell into Justin Tuck initially, who was a 260 pound defensive end that just happened to be really good at rushing from the inside. Chris Jones was already here. That's not something he requires to make his defense work. So I don't think there'd be a huge investment in that type of defensive tackle at the very least. 
Yeah, it's not replacing Chris Jones with another Chris Jones. That's not what's going to happen. They're going to, if they move on from Chris Jones, they're going to get better at other spots along the defense. They're going to get better in the back seven. They're going to improve at corner and linebacker. And yeah, they maybe, maybe they bring in another, you know, another pass rusher off the edge. And then when Tano's kicking inside, they pump something out there, something like that. Techno Brad asks, "What do you guys? Who do you guys think are the three players or coaches, assuming Mahomes is all on all of your lists, that belong on the 2019 Chiefs playoff Mount Rushmore?" Okay, so this is besides Patrick Mahomes, who's on there, and if it's locked, locked. If it it's specifically about the playoffs, no, I'm going to go the whole season. I can't do just the playoffs. That's not fair. So whole season, you got to put Andy Reid up there. I think you have to put Tyron Matthew up there, which leaves me with a very difficult choice for the final position between Frank Clark and Steve Spagnuolo. And I think... Give me Frank Clark on there. Need the attitude. Mahomes, Andy, Spags, Tyron. That's that's my four. Easy. That's that's me too. (laughs) I just... (laughs) They're the most four. important play. The most important people on both right. sides of the ball. I, I think that's that's an easy one. I put the closer yeah, I, up there. I mean, <laughs> Frank, dude, you get, find Frank a, a, an adjacent boulder and just just put him down there. P. Desan Chief asks, who would you guys prefer to bring back at a reasonable salary? Salary: Bashad Breland or Kendall Fuller. And does watching the Super Bowl ever get old? Because I don't see it ever getting old. I've watched so much of this content on repeat; it's ridiculous. If you're gonna give me the choice between the two, give me Bashad Breland. Uh, I, I think the Chiefs—they're gonna need help at corner. They're gonna need a veteran at corner. You might as well just bring Bashad Breland back and then invest in early in the draft as well. This is a difficult one to answer here. I do think that Bashad Breland helps the team a little bit more right away. If you're paying them reasonable money, it makes sense to go with him. But I'm going to lead towards Kendall Fuller because I think cornerback needs improvement from what it was last year. So if you can improve upon Bashad Breland by not bringing him back, I do think you make yourself better overall. Whereas Kendall Fuller, you bring him back. I do think that solidifies the entire safety room. You don't need to draft anybody, sign anybody in free agency. If you had to move on from Dan Sorensen, that's fine. You have a quality third safety ready to go. I think he fixes a position, whereas Breland is still just adding to what's a weak position. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Matty here. Uh, I'm going to stay with Fuller. He gives you a little insurance on Juan Thornhill early in case Juan is not ready to go at the very beginning of the year. And I, I love Bashad Breland. He's going to be a chief for life. But if you're paying somebody in the 8 to $10 million range, there's probably a couple other guys that I'd like to try and go pursue, particularly guys that can play a little more slot and then try and address the outside boundary corner in the draft a little bit more and just try and get overall better at several positions while still keeping Kendall Fuller as a, you know, a safety that you can maybe count on to play a little more single high. Uh, Bill Barnwell of ESPN was projecting Bashad Breeland to get $10 million a year. And if that's the case, then I'm probably out. But that's that's a lot. That's a lot of money. And if he can get that good for him and good for the Kansas City Chiefs compensatory picks in 2021. Well, Chuck Clark, be- safety for the Ravens, also just got, what, $8 million a year? So I think you're looking at Kendall Fuller's probably got to have his eyes real wide seeing that contract roll across. Yeah, he, he. I don't think it was quite A. I think he got... 
like a little bit over six on average because I think it's three and 19, but still Kendall Fuller is probably getting above that, (laughs) which again, the compensatory picks in 2021 are going to be lit. Casey Thief asks, where does Breland Speaks fit in the plans for 2020? He fits in the plans nowhere. He has the ability to surprise and earn his way into the plans. I don't think the Chiefs are relying on Breland Speaks to do anything next year. Literally nothing, because that is what he's done in the NFL. I understand he was injured. I don't think he was anywhere close to well on his way to doing anything. He routinely looked a little out of shape, a little out of place wherever he was being played. I think if he comes back focused and really wants to be part of the team, his move is to play defensive tackle. Let him be the pass rushing interior defensive line guy. Let him come back and earn a job there in the rotation. But I don't think anyone is sitting back drawing up you know, their plan for next season and penciling in or pinning in Breland Speaks anywhere in the mainstay rotation. When we talked about Breland Speaks last this last offseason, we talked about him needing to play three tech because we saw him get defensive end reps and frankly, they looked bad. And there were guys that should have been playing above him. That's not going to change. Breland Speaks can offer something on the inside with his strength, with his power a little bit. But it is very telling to me that they didn't value Breland Speaks as a guy who could come back from IR at any point. They didn't even have him on the 53 man at the beginning of the year. But yet, Chad Henney was valued as a guy. Chad Henney didn't was a non-factor. Didn't didn't even factor. And they didn't even give Breland Speaks a chance to come in and recover. I don't know what that says about him. I don't know if the injury is more serious than it even, you know, was was expected to be, but it's one of those situations where they didn't value him then. I think it's going to take a big uptick in his willingness and his work ethic and his ability to translate to the inside for him to be of value in the 2020 Kansas City Chiefs. The next thing Breland speaks fit in fits in will be the first in a while. Uh, he's uh, he looks out of shape. He's not looked good on the field in his time playing. I don't under I don't understand. I, I I don't see a clear path. I think he's on the roster bubble. Frankly, I don't think there's a guarantee that Breland speaks will be on this roster uh, at cut down day. Alex Monk. Your asks, Patrick Queen at 32, do you take him and why slash why not? I, I run to the podium if Patrick Queen is still there at 32, and then I wonder why Patrick Queen is still there at 32. <laughs> Patrick <laughs> Queen, I, I wrote about him a little bit today. Dan Kadar from uh, Mocking the Draft and SB Nation site uh, did his mock draft with trades. And for the Kansas City Chiefs, he had them giving up an extra pick, in this case, the second round pick, to move up to 27. Now, that's way too much to give up to 27, but he had them doing it for Patrick Queen. And they, Patrick Queen is an athlete. He's long. He can cover. He's going to be a three-down will linebacker. Uh, He doesn't have a ton of experience. As a matter of fact, he started the back half of LSU's 2018 season. And then in 2019, Michael Divinity Jr. actually started the year in front of him. And then after Divinity got suspended, Queen stepped in. 
he grew throughout the year in a big, big way. Nobody grew at the linebacker position more than Patrick Queen. At the end of the year, he saved his best for last. His last few games were truly elite level linebacker play. I think he's a guy that is going to be much more coveted and won't be available at 32. I would love for him to be on the Kansas City Chiefs. He would be an injection of talent, athleticism, and he would offer something that the Chiefs do not have, a linebacker that can cover and run sideline to sideline. I think Craig nailed most of it there. Like That would be your kind of dream pick come true. If you're a Chiefs fan here, you get a Will linebacker that is tailor-made for the system. He's he's not the biggest guy, but he's also not tiny. He's not super skinny or frail-looking. He has every ability to sit and do an interior gap, take on a block, make run fills. He actually has some plays where he really does read his keys very cleanly and then make the play. For a guy that is is new to starting at that college level, that was really nice to see. But he really excels out in space, whether it's coverage or chasing stuff down from the backside or just winning out to the sideline. He's excellent at that. Patrick Queen is kind of like your A-tier guy that you want coming out of this draft. I just don't think he'll be there at 32. If he is, I feel like something major had to come up at combine interviews or he had to test a lot poorer than everybody thinks he's going to. He's a very young prospect, too. Uh, He's yet to turn 21. I don't think he's going to turn 21 until after he's drafted, I believe. So I mean, this is a young this is a young kid with a lot uh of he, he will turn 21 him. August 13th. Yeah, so he's going to he's going to get drafted at 20. You're you're you've got a lot of good fo- a lot of improvement, a lot of runway to continue to get better unlike some of the older prospects like Nathan Shepard who's 25 and didn't get any better over the Ken course of his career. Old. I I just look, give me some more runway to improve. Wichita Chief Sam asks, should we consider drafting a safety later on like Julian Blackman considering Juan Thornhill may miss the early part of the 2020 season? Safety is one of those positions in round four or five that I think of the values there makes a ton of sense for the Chiefs. Um, I think, you know, Dan Sorensen, I'm not trying to get rid of him or anything like that, but he offers you some cap savings. Kendall Fuller may not be around. Juan Thornhill may not be able to start the season. I think that's a sneaky bigger role because if Juan Thornhill's not ready to step in and start, it's just Tyron Matthew and Armani Watts and Dan Sorensen as your safety rotation. I think maybe another guy makes some sense. A guy with a little bit more speed on the back end. Obviously, it's not going to be the you know depth of Juan Thornhill. I like Julian Blackman. I'm one of his biggest fans. I don't think he's a single high guy. I think he's a split safety guy, but I love the way he clicks and closes. But I, I do think that maybe in those you know later rounds, a day three spot, I think if safety, if the value's there, they could absolutely take a gamble on him and keep Tyron Matthew in the slot. I've been picking a lot of safeties in a lot of the mock drafts I do because I don't expect Kendall Fuller to be back. And I agree with the aspect that if Juan Thornhill's still working back when the season starts, you will need someone to put in there. I do think that you can survive with a backup level player like Armani Watts through the first couple weeks of the season if you have to. But I've been picking a safety to one, not only improve on Dan Sorensen, 
But two, to replace what Kendall Fuller did for the Chiefs down the stretch, kind of being that third safety before Juan Thornhill got hurt. And finally, Tyron Matthew fills a lot of shoes for this team. If you lose him for whatever reason, you not only need a slot quarterback, you need a starting safety. You need a lot of stuff if you happen to lose him. I understand that every team's like that when they lose their best defensive player, but you got to have the bodies capable of replacing them. And right now, the Chiefs simply don't. They do need a talented safety that probably has the ability to play everywhere. And the only guy they have on the roster that can do that is Juan Thornhill, they need a second one just in case something were to happen. I agree with everything these guys have said. I don't, but I, I just will add, I don't think that they would make a decision on a safety, drafting a safety on day three with the expectation of filling in for Juan Thornhill early in the season. But I think they just, they do need to continue to invest in safeties because of all the things these guys laid out. And day three, there, sh- there could be some potential day three value there. We've got a few months to uh, to uncover all those guys and continue to discuss some of those with you. Dillian, Dylan WD13 asks, if the Chiefs move on from Sammy Watkins, could Des Bryant come in and replace that role? Obviously a risk and downgrade, but would it be worth it? I don't think so. I just don't. I mean, I know, I know Des Bryant's out here uh, catching, making one hand catches and, and looking pretty good and all that stuff. But I don't think I want to introduce Des Bryant into the mix here in Kansas City. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze for a 31 year old coming off a torn Achilles that had to sit out the entire year that has had some issues in the past that hasn't always been a great lo- locker room guy. I don't think you want the headache, and I don't know if his football's good either, honestly. Because even the last time we saw Des Bryant, it wasn't like he was particularly good. You mean he's worth a try if he wants to come in and take almost no money and then come out here and compete for a job? Sure. I don't think the Chiefs would have any issue telling him, hey, I don't think you're the guy for us or you lost this position battle. I don't know if Des Bryant would be willing to go to a team that is willing to tell him that either. I think that's kind of the the struggle you're going to face. Would he put himself in a position where he might get turned away because other guys are better? I don't know, but if you don't have to pay him much to do it, sure, come in, compete. You're a guy that once upon a time would fill that X role that Sammy Watkins had, so come at it, try it, give it a shot. You don't like him, you move on and play Byron Pringle. (laughs) Byron Pringle love back-to-back episodes. Uh, I I don't think that Des Bryant's worth it. I, I would worry about locker room fit everything like that we we've seen that they want a singular unified guy up front in Mahomes and not that Des Bryant like wouldn't respect Mahomes but it would be a completely different locker room than he's used to I mean he was in Dallas and he kind of was the ruler of the roost in Dallas all those years and then he went to the New Orleans Saints for a minimal amount of time which seems like a good environment with you know Sean Payton and Drew Brees but this is the organization that literally just brought in Antonio Brown for a workout so (laughs) you know they're not really looking at locker room cohesiveness either I would just be worried about destroying that and I just don't think that he's probably got enough in a tank to be really valuable right now. All right, we're going to take a break and we will be back with more of your questions right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Answering more of your questions in a second mailbag this week. Chiefs France asks, do you see any potential free agent interior offensive line in your mind? Shout out Chiefs France. Shout out France. There's some guys out there. I mean, I think everybody knows the big name is Brandon Scherf. Maybe some people are going to go out there and put Andrew Speed out there in that same level. And that's fine. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be willing to spend on either one of those guys. I think that's way too much money to invest in interior offensive line for a team of their caliber. But there's some other mid-tier guys. You're Joe Thunies, BJ Finney's. Like These are guys that probably have a little bit of position flexibility. They might not break the bank to bring in, but they would come in, likely be an improvement over what we played this year. So I would hope the Chiefs bring in one of these guys so they don't they aren't forced into using a draft pick early on in the draft to improve upon the right guard position. Yeah, he's right. There's a couple guys there. I just don't know that the Chiefs are going to spend assets on interior offensive line. I would like them to, but the Chiefs have gotten by with bare minimums. They've gotten by with backups. They've gotten by with depth guys at those positions. It kind of bit them in the rear a few times this year, but I do think that the Chiefs are going to be comfortable with the guys that they have on the roster. You know, like we said earlier in the week, there's 11 guys. So I think they're going to give those guys a shot. I would expect that Andy Heck is going to try and rotate one of those guys in. Yeah, I could see them. I don't. I don't know if they're going to make major moves along uh, in free agency along the interior of the offensive line. I could see them drafting a center. I think there's some really good centers in this class. I could see them spending a day three asset trying to address that need, giving Patrick Mahomes somebody for the next ten years to to stick his hand under their butt. But uh, that that's that's I I don't know how much 
they're going to invest in the interior offensive line. I think there's there's a couple guys that they could early in the draft, but I, I doubt it. Uh, Joe Moore asks, am I crazy for still holding out hope for Patrick Peterson? I No, Joe. I don't think that you are, but I think it comes with a caveat. Brett Veach doesn't sign guys that are over 26 to long-term deals. I think if you're adding Patrick Peterson, you're adding him on a one-year deal. Maybe he gets cut from Arizona. Maybe you trade for that last year of his contract, a lower asset, and you're just playing him for one year. He's just trying to get a ring. You're hoping for a guy to bridge the gap while a rookie comes along and somebody else to be in that room alongside Tyron Matthew. We know that he and Tyron Matthew get along great and that Tyron Matthew would love that, but I think it would be a very short-term deal. He's not the long-term solution and Brett Veach would address it you know, with a very, very uh, short-term deal there. I like Brett Veach's idea of not putting a lot of years or a lot of money into older guys. I do think, though, the Chiefs are kind of at the point where you could probably pay some significant money to one-year vets that can still play football. Patrick Peterson would fit that mold if you want to bring him in for a year. Maybe if he's cut and you get him for a year with an option on the second year, like you can go on with that. I just wouldn't hold out hope for it. I don't think the Chiefs are going to trade for him. I don't think that they're going to pay as much money as he's going to kind of want if he does hit free agency. It would just be a hard spot given his age and Brett Veach's like past actions in terms of bringing guys in at this point in time. I think the landscape at the cornerback position is a lot different than the one you were looking at two years ago and the one you were looking at last year too with Patrick Peterson. For one, Patrick Peterson is a couple years, a couple years older. But also, I think there's some good free agent options, some expensive free agent options, but there's some good free agent options there. And this is a great cornerback class. It may not be like a bunch of top tier, slam dunk, top 15 corners. Like There's not three of those guys, but what there is is a really solid top 12. And a lot of cornerbacks that when me and Craig and Matt talk, we're excited about the potential of grabbing one of these guys in the first two rounds. There's a lot of good value at the cornerback position and how the Chiefs navigate and how the other the rest of the league navigates the cornerback position. There's really good paths to a very impressive draft and a very successful value value driven draft if, if you approach it right. Kodak Matt asks, is a player for player trade an option with Chris Jones? We give up a pass rusher for a corner, or is it most likely to just get draft capital? I think the route is draft capital, and th- there's a few reasons for that, but I think the big one is part of the reason that they're moving on from Chris Jones, I think, is is the the, the, the salary cap decisions. Some of that, they're, they're trying to have some flexibility moving forward. They don't want to you know, get too top heavy. I mean, if you trade player for player, you're, you're trading someone who has, you know, is a, a year or two into their rookie contracts or, you know, is on probably it's probably what most likely is. It's a, it's a player a year or two on a, you know, uh, with a year or two on their, on their rookie deal done, or they've got a year left and they're probably looking to get paid and maybe the Chiefs are the one paying it. Why pay big dollars? Sure. A proven asset and all that stuff. Get the draft capital, take some swings, try to inject this team with young, cheaper talent. Where the Chiefs currently sit, I mean, that's definitely the move. You, if you're trading away Chris Jones, you want to get the cheap talent in return. You probably want to get the ability to fill needs at multiple positions rather than just one. So trading Chris Jones directly for one player, well, makes you better at linebacker or corner or receiver, whatever position you decide to go after. That's the only position you can improve while likely still paying them a lot of money. Get your draft capital, 
and save your money so you can go spend in free agency on a player and draft more players in the draft. Agree with all of that with the exception. If you are getting a cornerback, a very good cornerback at the end of his rookie deal, and you are the team that's structuring it, I'm okay with it. Like, because top end cornerback money is about what we've, you know, reportedly heard Chris Jones has on the table from the Chiefs. If you're telling me, not that Buffalo would ever do this, but if Buffalo traded Chris Jones straight up for Tredavious White, oh. let's go. Like, I, I'm, I mean, making yeah. that, I'm making that move in a heartbeat, but it has to be an upper, upper echelon guy that frankly just isn't going to get paid by that team because they don't want to dole out that money to a cornerback for one reason or another. Now, it doesn't make any sense why they want to dole it out to a defensive tackle, but neither here nor there. It's got to be assets unless it's in a, a draft assets, unless it's an elite level corner. Dcash asks at the spots you are, you think are appropriate to draft running backs. Who are the running backs in the draft that you would like to see the chiefs get? I, okay. I'm not, this might be a little bit of a Maddie answer. I'm not sure. I literally was talking to these guys yesterday about how I don't really love the day three running backs in this class. I just, I'm not excited about a lot of this group and if there's really not a ton of day three guys I'm excited about, I'm pretty sure I'm just passing on running back in this entire draft class. I'm looking at an undrafted free agent running back. I'm trying to find, um, you know, a vet free agent. And like I said earlier in the week, they got six running backs under control already. They got Mike Weber. They got Elijah McGuire. They've already got some guys that they're trying to see if they can find value with. I'm not totally sure that I really am on board with investing at the running back position based on what I've seen of this class to this point. When is it appropriate to draft a running back? Never. That is your answer. Now, now oh. <laughs> that being s- you're you're just you're you're being more direct than I was. That being said, if the Chiefs came away out of day two, I don't even care where in day two. If they came out of there with Clyde Edwards Hilaire from LSU, okay, I would not be sad. Like, I don't even care if it's pick 63 in the draft. I would never say that's my favorite move. But once it happens, I would never be sad two seconds after they made the pick because he's the best running back of this class. Ooh, I like that. Maddie uh, loves himself some Clyde. And I love does. myself some Clyde, too. I just don't want to spend 63 on a running back. I, and I, I honestly, would, I think he's going before 63, by the way. He might. He's that good. Uh, I think if I'm taking a later, you know, a day three guy... I liked what we saw out of Josh Kelly at the Senior Bowl. I wouldn't yeah. mind adding Josh Kelly. The the man looks like he can pass protect a little bit. He can certainly catch the ball, and he looked like a good runner. He's a he's a developmental guy. I'd bring him in. I, I liked what we saw from him, so I'd go with him. There's some guys uh, I would keep an eye. Like I don't know how the league's going to value Darius Anderson, but if he was an undrafted free agent, I'd be all over Darius Anderson. I just don't know. Like I don't know if he's going to test great, but. I just wonder. I would. I would. I would love Darius Anderson if he's an undrafted free agent. I'd be banging the table for him. Uh, <laughs> Mizzou fan nineteen ninety four asks, how many of the three starting spots along the interior of the offensive line would you guys like to see, or predict will be upgraded this offseason, Maddie? All three: left guard Martinez Rankin starts improvement. Center is either someone they draft, most likely someone they draft. It's an improvement over Austin Ryder. Andrew Wiley plays right guard or someone better than Andrew Wiley. Either way, that's an improvement over LDT. All three improve by next year. Yep. Same here. 
And that's even like that's not even making a major investment. Like no. I think there's places I think I, I totally agree with these guys. With the with the with the amount of linemen that they have, I think that they're gonna be able to improve this this interior offensive line. Uh even with the some of the guys it's just in house. Epona asks Epona thirty two fourteen asks, what does McCole Hardman need to work on this offseason in order to be a bigger part of the offense next year? Everything. I think he needs to, I mean, first and foremost, he has to get on the same page as Patrick Mahomes. He can't always be a guy that's only getting balls or passes thrown to him on a, on time when it's a deep vertical route. He has to get on the same page as Mahomes for timing routes. So anything that breaks hard horizontally or back to Patrick Mahomes, he has to learn to work with Mahomes when he breaks the pocket. That's first and foremost. You've seen with Demarcus Robinson that you don't always have to be the most crisp route runner or always perfectly on time or the best. If you can work with Patrick Mahomes, you'll get a chance to get the ball. Next, it has to be his route running. Right now, it takes him a little bit to make his hard breaks. He's very fast, but to beat him or to stop him, you just have to give him cushion. Don't let him eat up the space and you just dare him to break off his routes because a lot of times you can close on them. And if you get your hands on him, it's over. He's just got to get a little bit better off the line of scrimmage. That sounds like a lot of stuff, and it kind of is, but his speed makes the margin for air for a defensive player very minimal. So he probably can get better quickly as long as he starts improving on all those things. I'll tell you what, if he learns to sharpen up an out route, I, he can be very, very dangerous. Like you're going to have corners that are giving him a ton of cushion because they don't want to get beaten vertically. And we saw several of those out routes that he, he just rounded off. His depth was he had poor depth on it. And Mahomes was having to get the ball out. You know, the timing was off. The depth was wrong. Like it was all just not great. So I think if he can just add another one to his repertoire there, that that makes things just light years easier and it makes life so much more difficult for DBs to have to cover him. He did catch one. <laughs> he did in the snow. It, it was uh, The real case swag asked, what round would you consider good value for Thaddeus Moss? Would you be happy to have him groomed as Kelsey's successor? Good value would probably be anywhere on day three. I do think he's a very good player. And I like the concept of somebody like Thaddeus Moss being your tight end one of the future. I do think he has that kind of ability. I'm not huge on drafting guys that are just blockers. They're going to catch a bunch of two yard passes. Don't waste a draft pick there. But a guy like Thaddeus Moss, he could be a tight end two with his blocking ability right now. Maybe develop into a true tight end one. I don't think tight end two is that important for the Chiefs. So unless he fell to round four or five, or if they get picks later there and he's just a great value, I just don't see the reason to make that pick. I'd rather spend it on a different position until that point. If Steven Sullivan, LSU's other tight end, makes it as a UDFA, scoop him up yesterday and have him groomed under Kelsey as a move tight end he's still learning the game wide receiver transfer you know to tight end I would love to have him we got to see him at the senior bowl as well and it was just constantly being like holy crap who's that guy oh it's Sullivan again beating these guys so if he is available or if the Chiefs get a late pick somehow in a trade or something like that I'd love to add him I think it's a little too early to be replacing Travis Kelsey or getting ready to replace Travis Kelsey, but I do think Thaddeus Moss would be a really fun <laughs> add in day three. 
Be really cool. Vitamin J asks, outside of linebacker, cornerback, and offensive line, what's another position you believe the Chiefs could get a quality value with, the, with at the end of the first round that you would be satisfied with? Wide receiver could really, I mean, depending on how the wide receiver class pans out, there could be really good value at wide receiver at 32. And I know it's not the, the most important position to need, but man, some of the dudes in this class, if they're available... Just just go jump on. There could be good value at wide receiver. I agree with Kent first and foremost. When CD Lamb runs a four five three, you hope the NFL overthinks it and doesn't pick him until 32. But actually, I think defensive end is a sneaky one. I don't like this edge class overall. I don't think it's that great. But some of your guys at the top end of this edge class, your AJ Epinesas or your Yuter Grossmatos guys, they aren't your typical speed rushers that usually get drafted super early. So again, if the NFL overthinks thing and takes the explosive combine guys, a Zach Bond as an edge rusher, Josh Uche, uh, Caleb on Chase on, like these guys slip up and they pass AJ Epinesa or Yuter Grossmatos, who are much better fits for Steve Spagnuolo's system, and they're left there at 32 for some dumb reason. I mean, I think there is a chance that one or two of the one of those guys may fall into the mid twenties, late twenties. If they're still there, that's insane value. Oh yeah, I would be. I'd be all. About, I'd be all about that. I think we. Yeah, we talked about that before. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Go, Craig. Dark how dark horse because I agree with both of those. Super super dark horse here. No safety. If oh. a safety fell, if Xavier McKinney's not going to fall from Alabama, he's not going to fall. But if Grant Delpit fell, boy, howdy, that kind of talent. His 2018 tape was top five tape. It was elite safety play tape. His 2019 tape is not great. Um, maybe there was an injury. Maybe there was something going on with him personally or whatever the case may be. But he did not look as good. If Grant Delpit's there, you tell Tyron Matthew, guess what, buddy? You're a full-time slot corner now, and we're just going to use you in a robber role in zones and things like that. Like, we're going to use you as a chess piece, and you're going to have Juan Thornhill and Grant Delpit back there. Mm, I might take a a bite of that at the end of the first round there (laughs) if a linebacker or a corner they didn't like was available. Yep. A Dam asks, uh, have you guys looked at any reasonable trade down offers at all with the draft deep at positions of need, wide receiver, cornerback? It would make sense to move down out of 32, maybe to a QB needy team who wants that fifth year option to restock little. You know, I we have a lot of these talks, uh, frankly, a lot, just trying to figure out like what scenarios it would be for the Chiefs to to trade down. I don't know how many great scenarios there really are for the Chiefs to trade down right now. Because I do think the board's pretty open for them. If all the running backs are gone, if there's a lot of cornerbacks available and they like their their swath, maybe they trade their their, their sample of, of corners available. Maybe they trade back to like 37 or something and get some extra capital for a team wanting to pay that that first round tax. Um, but they can't fall too far past that 35, 36, 37 range. I don't think. Even if they get you know a nice pick for Chris Jones in the, in the early 30s or. You know, even before that, maybe if maybe if they get a first round pick for Chris Jones, maybe they're more willing to trade out of 32. I mean, it really depends on who would be available and what you're looking at. The problem is, I don't know if the Chiefs, just the way this general draft class looks, if the, the Chiefs are going to be kind of at the forefront of a breaking point. I don't think that pick 31 is going to be the last of a certain tier of player. And then the Chiefs are going to be stuck with all, you know, tier two or tier three, whatever you want to call it, players left. And it would make sense to trade back five, 10 spots and try to pick up another one of those guys. 
I think the Chiefs picking at 32 will be right in the middle of a tier, and you don't want to risk trading back and losing out on that level of player if that happens. So, like I said, it really depends on how the board falls, but I think there's a good chance that one of those like second-tier quarterbacks, maybe your linebacker's still there, and you really don't want to trade back and miss losing that guy. The, the real question here is when are the Chiefs going to have a fifth-year option that they are planning to exercise? They haven't had one since D. Ford. Uh, Chris Jones was after that as a second-round pick. Patrick Mahomes, they're not going to exercise the fifth-year option. They're going to pay him well before that. <laughs> He's going to be then, paid. Then they traded the next year, traded the year after that. Are the Chiefs actually going to pick somebody that they could feasibly give a fifth-year option to in the course of their contract? I, I mean... We'll see. We'll see. We'll find out. We'll find out. D-Dut-120, if we re-sign Chris Jones, is there any way we could pick up a semi-elite free agent like Joe Schobert or Brandon Scherf? If not, what is the best situation to be in? Uh, Sure, you can do that if you don't pay Patrick Mahomes. That's (laughs) that's basically what the option is. If you're paying Chris Jones and Joe Schubert or Brandon Scherf, then you're not paying Patrick Mahomes this year. I know that there's been a lot of conversations about when they're going to pay Mahomes and everything like that. Guys, it's happening in the next 12 months. And if it's happening in the next 12 months, you're not signing Chris Jones long-term, Joe Schubert long-term, Brandon Scherf long-term, regardless of what the new CPA says. They're just not going to do that. They're not going to dedicate that much cap space to a minimal amount of players. If I had to pick one, Oh, man, I think that I'd rather go with with Schubert just because I want an upgrade at that linebacker position. And I think that the Chiefs are probably going to miss out on the elite guys in this draft. Yeah, if I do think you could financially make it work if you wanted to pay Pat, pay Chris and sign a upper mid tier, lower high tier free agent, however you want to word it. The issue is you're going to have to cut about seven or eight guys that play significant snaps for the Chiefs, and then you are going to have to replace all of those guys plus the other free agents you're already missing out on, and you'll have zero money to do it and still only have five draft picks, only three draft picks in the top 100. They're all at the end of the rounds. Essentially, you will not be able to replace it. You will be the most top-heavy team that's probably ever existed in the NFL. And that's just not a, you can't have success that way. It just simply doesn't work. I would definitely lean towards of getting rid of Jones. If this is the only two options would be getting rid of Jones, signing a lesser priced, but still very good free agent player and using that extra money and the draft picks acquired from trading Jones, I think sets you up for better success in the future. I think the chiefs can move on from Chris Jones, make some minor moves inject this team with some young cheap talent and win a Super Bowl next year. I think they can win a Super Bowl without Chris Jones. I think they can make I, I think they can make minor moves. I I don't think that they're going to make a, a semi elite move if they if they sign Chris Jones. And I don't think they're going to sign Chris Jones either. I think they can make a little mini reset by moving on from Chris Jones and inject this team with some young talent and move forward. And I think they can I think they'll be right up there to win a Super Bowl whether or not Chris Jones is here. Drew Kolb asks Give me your dream scenario in free agency. I'm thinking Byron Jones and or the guard from New England, but I'd love to hear your take. I One thing, we haven't talked Byron Jones all ton yet, and I think we are going to soon. I do wonder if he's been a Brett Veach target. I just wonder if he fits the mold of other Brett Veach targets. I do wonder if that's in the back of his mind. But 
dream scenario, you're trading Chris Jones. I'm getting multiple draft picks back, preferably at least two in the top 100 would be the aim I was going for. I use some of that extra money. I bring in Chris Harris Jr. on a one-year deal just to help while I'm drafting another quarterback. That's all the big money I want to spend in free agency would be Chris Harris Jr. And I don't think he's going to have, require a ton of money. I think you'll get him for you know good starting quarterback money, but his age, he's probably after another ring more so than a huge payday, I think. So I'll take him, a couple mid-tier free agents, and I don't want to go into specifics because that could take a while. But I want to save that money to pay Pat and to pay those multiple mid-tier guys and get the extra draft capital. James Bradbury next. <laughs> uh okay let's see here stud back stud back 30 asks assuming we keep pick 32 32 who's the ideal prospect at that spot give me henry ruggs if it's just ideal if it's ideal if it's ideal and you're getting a little lucky the last thing the national football league wants is for the chiefs to draft henry henry ruggs next oh i'll one up at cd land Oh, that would be sexy too. Well, I mean, if if we're being completely unrealistic, Jeffrey Okuda can come and play on my no, team. No, this I is mean, this is no. He's going top five. Um, I, let's say Christian Fulton doesn't test super well. Yeah, I I think Christian Whoa. Fulton from LSU is an elite level cornerback. I think teams might overthink him a little bit based on the talent that he played around. I I would love Christian Fulton to come play on my team. I think there's a non-zero chance that those hap- any of those could happen. Non-zero. Not high likelihood. But there's a non-zero chance one of those could happen. My real answer is Zach Bond because CeeDee Lamb is not lasting until 32 no hey, matter what. If he I runs just a four six, one-up Henry Ruggs. If he runs a 4-6, I, I don't think there's any logical scenario where Henry Ruggs, but I've seen some people valuing him a little bit lower. And if he can fall to 27, why can't he fall to 32? Uh, Quiz asks, should the Chiefs take Bryce Hall if he's available? Matthew Lane and I are going to fight. Yes. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> yes. What they pick? Should at take, 32? They should take Bryce Hall. At 32, that's a little steep. I okay. <laughs> listen, he, he's got a fractured ankle. That's... Uh, he dislo- it broke his left leg, dislocated his ankle in October. Let's call it, let's call it 63. Call it 63. Okay, 63, absolutely. I'm taking him in a heartbeat there. I don't think he's going to be ready to play to start the season, but he's his own corner. He's a ball hawk, and I think that he has the athleticism to run with guys. Matty doesn't. I think that he can <laughs> hang at the next level. I think that he is, he's a big, big dude. He squeezes the boundary well. He plays the ball really, really well in the air, and he's very aggressive to get downhill. He's a solid tackle. Like, he's a Spags corner, man. Like, we heard about how Rashad Fenton and his shuffle technique fit really well with the Spagnuolo scheme. Man, Bryce Hall is Rashad Fenton on crazy steroids. So I I would love to add Bryce Hall to this team. This is a loaded question 40 (laughs) minutes into this podcast. Um, So here it is. I was probably one of the first people, Chiefs fans that were really big on Bryce Hall. Not the first, but one of the first. I saw him last year. I was a big fan during the season. I think he's a good prospect. I do question Bryce Hall's athleticism. I don't know if he moves like a top end, even an average NFL athlete. A lot of his movement to me looks very forced. He looks, he's better at it than I am and still more athletic and faster, but he looks like me trying to go through backpedal drills 
There's exaggerated kicks. Uh, his feet know. come down pretty heavy. His transitions require a bucket step and a big hip flip. I think there's some limitations athletically. Like Craig said, he's a zone corner. You put him in a limited scheme, allow his physicality and his intelligence to flourish, he can be a very good player. What have I just described? I've described Richard Sherman, an all-pro Hall of Fame cornerback. Guess how many Richard Shermans have been drafted since him that haven't worked out? A whole, 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 whole lot more than have worked out. I'm just a little nervous using high draft capital on a guy that has a slim margin for air to succeed in the NFL, especially coming off of an injury. I share with Matthew some of those athleticism concerns, especially coming off an ankle injury. I do too. I do too. I'm not, he's not an elite athlete. I still believe in everything outside of his athleticism the same way Craig does. Kind of caught in the middle. They're making me choose between them. Uh, A.A. Ron done mess up. Ask, even though it's unlikely, given we only have five picks, if the Chiefs were to trade up for someone in the first round, who would it be? I think if they're trading up, it's probably for one of those linebackers. I really do think that's the move. If they're going to do that, they're going to... And it's going to have to be an aggressive move. It's going to have to be a second round pick. That probably gets you into the early 20s to mid 20s uh, to maybe take like a guy like Patrick Queen. The thing is, like people need to understand the Chiefs don't have a ton of draft capital in volume, but they don't also have a ton of draft capital in value because of the picking at the back end of every single round, which is partially why they probably need to consider acquiring some draft assets for someone like Chris Jones and taking a mini mini reset. The Chiefs traded up for McCole Hardman last year, so I have a hard time. They traded up for Breland Speaks, so I'm the last person you should ask who they should trade up to draft. It's probably somebody I'm not super high on, so I guess with that being said, (laughs) no, I'm not going to go there. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus yet. I would say a quarterback if quarterbacks come off the board kind of fast like they have in some years past, but it's a talented class and they have them tiered off like I talked about earlier where say they have four corners in the top tier and then there's a gap to some other guys. If three of them are gone, I could see them moving up four or five spots to get the last guy of that tier, whether it's a Trevon Diggs, CJ Henderson, Jeff Gladney, however they want to do it. I could see them moving up a couple spots to get the last of their highest leveled corner. It's Kenneth Murray, so my my son can replace my other son on the roster. Right, by Reggie, uh, Kenneth Murray bye, can Reg. come can come and play on this team. I do agree. I think it. I think it's linebacker. I think the cornerback class has enough depth that I think that they could feel comfortable staying put and maybe taking a guy. I, it would have to be a small move up to do that, but as far as a significant move up, it, it's got to be linebacker. I think that's. After Kenneth Murray, Zach Bond, Patrick Queen, there's a big cliff. It, it's a it's a very large Massive. gap after yeah. that. There are some guys that I like that are interesting prospects, but frankly, if you're not getting one of those guys, you're probably drafting a project. 100%. All right, that is going to do it for mailbag number two this week we'll be back later in the week uh with another show it's not a mailbag it's kind of us just giving our own thoughts on some things hope you'll tune in we'll catch you later more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.